kind of was, but like... Okay, my dude. <laughs> yeah, so... What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Just Pick Something podcast, where we discuss movies, TV shows, and this time we're going to talk about a movie called The House. Released in 2022, created by Emma Deschwaf. Oh man, I'm sorry if I did not pronounce it right. Mark James Rolls, Nikki Lindroff von Bra, Paloma Beza, and written by Inda Walsh. I'm so sorry if I didn't pronounce any of those names right. Did my best. But at the time of this episode, it can be streamed on Netflix. Yeah, so uh, when I first saw it, it was just basically just like, oh, this movie came out, it's, it's stop motion. And I knew nothing about it other than, like, the stop motion looked creepy to me. And I was like, they're going for a vibe. And I was like, I might as well check this out. Um, I will not say that I liked it. I was mostly uncomfortable, but... Oh, there, there were some moments that were very uncomfortable, man. Not in a, like, oh, this movie's despicable and grotesque, but just the tone and the aesthetic and the way they did music cues and the way the stop motion worked, it just got under your skin a little bit, you know? Yeah, so I'm not going to say that I, like, really enjoyed it or thought it was dope or anything, but it certainly was a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I like this movie. Anyone who repeatedly listened to episodes of this podcast can probably tell that pretty hard for me not to like a movie you know or think a movie's pretty good despite what it has going on but i gotta say man this movie was interesting i think that's why i kind of liked it it was just different it felt like its own thing that i haven't really seen in a while you know even the stop motion aspect to it there's not a lot of things out there right now that use stop motion anymore because it's expensive and time consuming you know no i have no problems with this movie so like most of the time if i'm going to complain about a movie it's not necessarily necessarily just on the contents of the film it's uh, there's a lot of like the filmmaking aspect of it that like really like you really need to make like a badly done film for me not to like it right Mm -hmm. and in this case i think everything's really well done on a technical level and i think it's well written and all the stuff really works all the elements really work but then as soon as it's like okay anthony but did you enjoy it though and i'm like i mean it it did not make me feel good and i did not like that (laughs) yeah that's that's a fair way to put it there's been movies that i have given me that kind of feeling to it where i didn't think it was bad i just thought it was fine or what it was going for didn't really land for me yeah but it kind of worked for me the vibe and aesthetic got under my skin in the way i think it was intending to There are some moments in, in this movie where there was some kind of like claustrophobic feeling of the kind of just, I guess, uncomfortableness of what feels like a voyeuristic kind of viewpoint almost a bit. Because, you know, we're watching like the separate three stories in this movie from like the perspective of like the movie watcher, right? And you're seeing them live through their, like this weird, surreal kind of experience in these parts. And like, it's kind of adding to that like unsettling feeling, especially as like, I guess we're going to talk about the three different parts. And even the intro kind of gives you the idea that this is going to be kind of like a little surreal with the black and white opening crawl. So yeah, I, I like this movie, but it definitely was a kind of a vibe, you know, like a certain aesthetic. So, so yeah, I didn't, first off, I didn't know there was an anthology. Well, it was going to be a mini series, so to speak, at one point in production, from what I understand, right? At least from movie trivia that I looked up online. Okay. But it became a movie. That's cool. I guess I can see that. I guess it would be, I feel like the way that they, if, if there were plans on more, I wonder, like, was more made and then they just decided on these three? Or were these the only three made because they knew it wasn't going to be a series? Because they fit really well thematically in, like, 
film, right? Right. So, like, like if it was nine episodes, I wonder how that would have came across. Yeah, I don't really know for sure, because from what I looked up, there were, like, three different segments in this movie took about, like, more than 20 weeks to make, right? Okay. And there were some moments that, you know, probably took longer, like the dance sequence in part two with all the bugs yeah. and stuff, or some of the, I guess, more visually intricate moments, like, I guess, some of the water work in the third part. And if there was going to be more episodes to this and then it ended up just becoming a movie, it might have just all come down to time and money. Yeah, they were like, okay, we've finished these three and this has to happen to be this way. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that that's interesting because I think, like I said, it, it lines up pretty well as, like, a feature, as a feature anthology. And if if they had the more time and money, I wonder if it would have, have worked as well thematically as it did. Yeah, because, well, I mean, I could definitely see this as a show, you know, like a, an anthology show where you take a different aspect or a different, I guess, idea about what a house could be because to me and well, i guess we'll talk about it in later right it feels like there's almost an interpretation of each different part you could take from it right yeah so an anthology series with this kind of format would be like maybe every episode deals with what a house could represent to a different group of people or creatures or something you know yeah but um yeah i guess to go into it man what do you think of part one part one was creepy um <laughs> it was also so just a like just a basic rundown. A poor family uh, gets gifted a very large house for their stuff for their thing, and they're you know the only thing that they have to do they don't have to pay for the house. They just have to live there and give up all their old stuff to live there. And then creepy stuff happens. That's a basic summary of the first part. <laughs> yeah, no. it. I, well, after their relatives come to visit them and kind of just berate the husband for being a failure, even though that cottage was very cute and that was an almost idyllic countryside living, you know? Yeah, it was very nice. I mean, I don't have a house that's my own, so I would take it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not to mention, it looked like a great place to live. You know, there was a beautiful forest. It, it was simple living, but it was nice. You know, they had each other, everything they needed to, like, enjoy their company and I guess that just goes into maybe kind of one of the possible interpretations of this first part. It's almost kind of like a be careful what you wish for story. Yeah. The first part is interesting. So, you know, like, again, it's story starts off. The family lives in his cottage. The husband is visited by his family and they berate him on not having any success or wealth or whatever. Right. So then he, I don't know if he just, I guess like he doesn't like necessarily seek it out, but he takes a deep, this like Faustian deal that ends up with them having the house. Right. Right? And it's interesting to see how the characters go through the situation because, like you said, it is like kind of like a monkey's paw, like be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Because clearly there is like a materialism that comes up with the mom and dad in the family and that like manifests physically as they begin to like fuse in with the home. And like how it's so creepy the way everything is kind of just building on top of each other to give you this unnerving feel throughout the part like yeah because I, I didn't know what was going on i was like why are they wearing these weird outfits oh yeah oh yeah and then there's that like punch moment where the little daughter of theirs walks in and they turn around and they clearly have furniture like costumes and you're like 
oh no i kind of know where this is going oh yeah no it was, it was terrifying yeah like i like it's not like terrifying in like a oh my god like i'm so scared but it was like more of like a like you, like you said like a surreal moment where it's like this is uncomfortably scary <laughs> yeah like dread like just existential dread almost. interesting thing like you like we, the parents are being materialistic but the daughter in the story is looking back at what they used to have because she doesn't you know she's like oh this is cool and everything but like i was fine with what we had like i was happy and yeah she was she had her mom she had her dad it wasn't perfect but she was genuinely content and happy that close family was all she needed and enjoyed and then suddenly these parents these other relatives come in and just basically ruin her life right oh man and then like it's not it's it's still that like creeping feeling of unease after their relatives leave right you have that like lingering shot of her father in front of the fire and like this feeling of just like darkness kind of closing in on everybody then he goes into that forest and gets that Faustian like deal and then he comes back and is just kind of like ravenously eating and like devouring kind of giving you the idea that maybe this is going or probably going to be something about like you know excess and in maybe not being happy with what you have but even that moment where he was like hunched over the table and was just eating it was so unsettling yeah you know? and it was so like again but like it was a good primer right i wouldn't even say for the rest of the movie but at least for the next part like mm-hmm. if you get through the first part you're gonna it's gonna sort of prepare you for how uncomfortable the second part becomes as you continue okay see i think personally for me that the first part was the more outright unsettling than the other two parts the first part to me was more horror and more dread inducing than part two and three really i mean i would say that there's more that the person who the creators behind the first part definitely lended itself more to traditional like horror aesthetic mm-hmm. right? so i could i could say that but i personally felt more unease in the second part the third part i don't think has any of that mm, okay. um, yeah personally but the second part was the which we could start talking about i guess is the one where i was like well i just wanted to ask you like what was the most unsettling part for you in part one the, the, the dude who gives them the deal just being like in the corner being like this is just like salivating oh yeah just muttering to himself yeah yeah that was creepy and then like the idea that he's like he's affecting everything and like changing it and making it so these people can't live a happy life like on purpose mm-hmm. yeah and then like i guess the actual architect shows up in like moments well van schmutenbeek yeah. something like that and then he just start giggling and laughing and i think for me the part that kind of freaked me out the most in part one was when the daughter would wake up and she would just start walking and feeling like she'd be trapped and would look you know out the window and suddenly there's just no outdoors anymore and and then she would walk through the hallway and suddenly there's no stairs and that creeping feeling of being imprisoned in this house Mm. was just like very unsettling claustrophobic especially with her and her like her littlest sibling seeing their kind of like vulnerability it just kind of got under my skin you know oh man i was so i was like yeah the part that like I guess the only thing that when I was scared for the characters was when they were trapped upstairs mm-hmm. and they couldn't they were like oh no we can't get out we have to find the stairs and like I'm like oh my god is this baby gonna starve and yeah it was because I have a baby 
so that he could morph that full. And I'm like, oh my god, please don't let this baby die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And part one felt like the house itself was this benevolent being that did not want them there and was trying to get rid of them as any way they could. And the architect was just forcing people to be there. And almost like the, like the house was like a evil being that needed sacrifice to it or something, you know? Yeah, it, it, it definitely leaves the idea that the house was some like malevolent force and which is something that I thought like, I thought was going to be continued throughout all three parts. Mm-hmm. I think the that idea was planted in my head so it, it does translate to the second part. But by the third part, I think that that idea is dropped. And in the second part, then the loss is truth that can't be won, where things were following kind of shift. We're following these little rat creatures or mouse creatures. Yeah, the rat people. Yeah, the rat being creatures in almost a different time period, too, where it seems more modern, almost not quite current day modern. Yeah, like 90s, like definitely like a more early 2000s. Yeah, there's like a weird aesthetic that reads early 2000s, like a different time type of materialism yeah with like anthropomorphized rats and this like i guess developed city we're gone from the pastoric scenery or nature in the first part yeah that kind of almost tricked you into thinking this was maybe something different now we're just smacked up in like the city yeah and so quick summary for the second one um there's rat guy (laughs) he is getting a house prepared getting the house prepared to be sold he has spent the last like few months of his life and all his assets yeah this developer is completely put everything he has into this this one house that he's trying to sell yeah, and it's about the end of his him finishing getting the house ready and him showing the house, and that's like the majority of what the story is about. Yeah, he's 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 laid off his construction crew to cut costs. He's doing all the work himself, all the construction work, the decorating, everything. He's taking really extreme measures to do it, and he's just all putting everything he has for this one open house presentation, which is crazy because you know most times you don't sell a house immediately. You have multiple offers, maybe a few open houses, right? Yeah, but I guess the bank is collecting and he needs to sell it as quick as possible right yeah so, so yeah so like i said this one was the most unsettling for me because of how it turns out oh oh dude that okay so when after he leaves the hospital right okay. and he walks into that house accompanied by those two i guess unwanted guests yeah the odd couple or unwanted guests bring him in he's kind of like surrounded by almost a verification that it's all in his head or a delusional shot of everyone in that house with him around him and then it just I think I thought it was done. It cuts. I was like, oh, it's the end of part two. And then we get this like creepy smash cut with all the rats just chewing and eating. Like everything is decaying and these rats take on like a bug-like aesthetic. You know, it's been hinted throughout the part, but this time we get to see it in like full force and it just kind of feels like unclean and uncomfortable and like unsettling in the way that you feel like you need to take a shower because there's just bugs all over you and it's just like, ah, you know? Yeah. So uh, to get to that point, you know, he's been dealing with you know he was dealing with this dumb bugs like the entire episode the entire part right and when the this couple shows up and i see them i'm like oh god they're gonna be like are they like bug mice things yeah because their proportions are like unnatural even for an anthropomorphized rat yeah i thought actually i actually thought it was gonna be that they were just a bunch of bugs in like a rat suit yeah i definitely had that idea for a minute too and then then it's it's so much worse for some reason that it's not that case (laughs) and yeah almost (laughs) i kind of wish they were bugs yeah i kind of wish they just both exploded into bugs because at least then i'd be like okay that makes sense they're bugs they're just like they exploded into bugs but no they're like no 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 we're gonna make these 
rat people into bugs, but they're still going to be rat people. And I'm like, this is so nasty. I hate this. Please. <laughs> and, yeah. And then like, and then because the, he spends most of the time in part two meticulously cleaning that house because everything looks pristine. Yeah. Like he has spent so much time cleaning every little nook and cranny. And then the feeling of like, I don't know, it's almost like this part could be like filth and uncleanliness, the shorts or something, because the bugs make their way in throughout the parts. And then when he finally has that open house, the open house people are just the most gross people to have in your house they track mud they're not watching their kids their kids are putting like ice cream on the walls and like messing up the house people are kicking the furniture to see if it's like stable and kind of just like destroying this house almost in like one open house day yeah man to come from the first part right where is this like it's like this horror vibe to just this more of like this like mental like physical unease like the first part Mm -hmm. is like psychologically like uneasy the second part's more of like I physically hate this. Stop it. <laughs> but you know what? Surprisingly, part two has more humor. Like, there are moments that it's kind of funny. The humor, I feel like, would be just with him trying to clean up the house and kind of just doing his best. And it'd be just awkward moments. Or, like, he'd slip and fall. The wrong food gets delivered to his house. Or he's showing the house around. And he's like, look at this cool state-of-the-art oven. And then nobody be impressed. And it kind of just lingers and be like, yep. <laughs> like, an awkward kind of humor, you know? Yeah, I mean, for me, okay, so yeah. On Netflix, it's build as a dark comedy mm-hmm. i don't get so you you say that's humor i don't find the comedy in any of these parts mm-hmm. okay maybe there's like maybe i kind of get some of it in the third part uh which is the most lighthearted part of it but this part because everything was in this part just seemed depressing that even the parts that like are like the more slapsticky things i'm just mm-hmm. like oh no i can't get behind this i don't yeah, that's fair <laughs> but in that case like I, I get i get what you're where you're coming from and i can see that i can understand the humor in it it's for me personally i was like everything's going so poorly and uh-huh. the story is just ultimately so depressing if you think about it oh yeah it's so sad dude i'm um, don't get me wrong i wasn't like dying laughing throughout this yeah. part but like there were some moments i'm like huh that's kind of funny but it was still so sad especially the ending where he kind of just reverts to like a, a mouse yeah living in the hole in the wall yeah living yeah living in that hole in the wall and oh god dude that last that last part where they're just going throughout the house and they're just eating everything it's so unsettling almost like you're you're like looking for a bathroom and you open the bathroom and then suddenly it's dark and you flip the light and all the roaches scatter from the wall and you're like oh it wasn't dark in here it was just roaches covering the entire wall holy shit i'm gonna close this door and run away you know god no (laughs) (laughs) that kind of that kind of like Ugh, <laughs> you know. No. But um, do you think this epi- this this part part two was kind of just the the unwanted pest of a home or something? What do you think part two was trying to go for? You know, because like part one could be like, oh yeah, you know, a monkey's paw. Be careful what you wish for. Be happy with the things you have, and not aspire for more because it might not be better or something. But like, what could part two be? You know. Um, well, I think there's a through line throughout all three, and we'll definitely get on to it more in the third one yeah i have an idea for one too after part three for this one i definitely think there's like a a part of it it, again with the materialism thing where this character he's basically abandoned every other aspect of his life for this to be successful Mm -hmm. right and because he's been willing to just abandon everything his dignity his well-being he was living in the basement he was you know he would fall asleep putting bug deterrent out it was terrible like the man was treated 
including himself poorly as well as yeah you know his like you know his overall life the man had no life so like again like like the idea that don't put so much stock into these things that you really don't have much control over mm. and just a, like actually enjoy your life instead of trying to focus in on just like the one material thing right yeah because right. that is fleeting because like he's thinking of this like perfect house that he has so clean and he's able to keep it that way and he's going to be able to make so much money and stuff like that and and all of that just just ripped from his grasp basically and mm. because he allowed it to take over his life it devastates him to the point where he's effectively a homeless person in a wall and yeah pretty much and it's sad and it's funny but like more sad than anything and it almost feels like this weird delusion was self brought on partly because of the maybe pointed message of like materialism but also maybe it was also the chemicals he was constantly spraying throughout the house oh. I just kind of got to his brain because you know the unwanted couple you know show up around that same time when he has that open house and he's so fixated on the bugs and making sure there's no bugs visible ever and then there's that extended bug dance sequence and it makes it really does feel like there's a bit of this being like in his head and even that last part of all the vermin eating everything could almost be like they were not there and it was just him and this is just the state of his like madness and we get to see it yeah it definitely has a lot of that going on and if yeah it's it's uncomfortable i'm not this is this is the main part where it's why i'm not a big fan of the it's mm-hmm. it, it's this section yeah because if you took the first section and we're like here you go here's a short anthony isn't it super uncomfortable and scary and i'm like yeah i don't like it but it's good <laughs> uh, the third one is like this is okay and solid and it's not like i like i i appreciate the message the second one's like Please stop. I hate you. Go away. <laughs> I mean, the anthropomorphized rats probably didn't help either, right? <laughs> I mean, the rats are fine. It was the bugs. The bugs. Oh, the bug okay. Because <laughs> some people do not like rats and some people do not like bugs. And the combination of the two probably wasn't great either. Yeah, I don't. The bugs are like, ugh, bugs. But like, I'm fine watching them be like, you know, whatever. The rats, I'm used to stop motion. I, you know, rats I have no issue with, but bug rats, bug rats are. Yeah, <laughs> and the stop motion really did add to the unsettling nature of it. You know. Yeah, definitely. But <laughs> but hey, you know the the house has transformed from part one, part two, and then we get to see like a huge dramatic change in part three. Uh, listen again and seek the sun, and like almost the entire world, or even maybe just that area, is flooded, and it's so interesting because it's like what brought about this ecosystem change. Yeah. Yeah. So, small summary of the third one. There's been a flood, and we look into the house, and it's now being subleased by the owner. And she has, you know, a wacky assortment of renters. And a new arrival comes, and the the house is rooted up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this uh, what is it? I guess building owner has two wacky tenants that don't pay rent. And, are, are, I mean, are they even that wacky? They're just, like, um, interesting individuals visuals that don't pay rent right yeah they're like this one okay so this one's uncomfortable there is a level of uncomfort in this part right mm-hmm. and it's more of like with every part
part has like an uncomfortability part. The first part is definitely like psychological horror. The second one is definitely like physically uncomfortable. And the third one is more of like a spiritualistic uncomfortable part where it's like, hey, deal with this like really hard like spiritual concept or like mm -hmm. or you're gonna get lost forever in the you know in nothing <laughs> yeah yeah it feels like it's that um one saying that i hear every once in a while where it's like god laughs when you make plans or something like that you know where yeah. or the world doesn't work that way and you gotta just adapt the best you can huh. and I, this part was kind of like i don't know man it was heartwarming in a way especially near the end but also like sad in its own way completely different than part one and two yeah because so i think like a big part of the the anthology up to this point at least had to do with a lot of materialistic viewpoints right and there is still like a, a decent bit of that here because this woman is obsessed with her her family home and she doesn't yeah. want to abandon it but the materialism of it necessarily isn't like oh man this house is gonna be great it's that she focuses in so much on the money aspect of it and the yes obviously the house is like the, the reason she's focusing in on the money part of it that mm -hmm. in my mind one of the big the, you know the big thing is she's missing the connections that she's making with the people in her home you know right and so you know like that's whole you know there's a materialism again through line but it's not the same way of like oh my gosh you're like you're letting eat away at your life but it's more of like a morose like oh you're missing out on these things that are in front of you uh, and in in again like not in the i guess you could say that's happening in the first two again because you know they are missing out on their lives yeah. but it's definitely more of in like a sad emotional way and not like a like a horrific kind of yeah for sure again the first two is just so uncomfortable in different ways but this <laughs> one is this one is more of like in your heart as opposed to like in your head and in your yeah like a, a scary sadness to it and it almost feels like in part one the main character and the main perspective is that of a child right so everything around them is like pretty and cool because of the scenic countryside home and then it becomes scary and like giant and big because of their kid and then in part two it's almost like a, an adult that's down on his luck and we kind of sympathize with him because we're like oh you know we want him to do well and get back on his feet and like sell this house and maybe start his life and or something or get back on track and in this part it's like almost the perspective of a young adult where they have this huge responsibility that's kind of self-imposed but also not because like a familial like responsibility and you're kind of sympathizing with them because you're like you know as an audience member that like this house is doomed she's gonna have to leave but you you know that to, for her to get to that point she has to kind of realize it herself and there's kind of a, a ticking time um, bomb until like because the house is, yeah. is gonna be flooded if she doesn't make that choice soon you know and i guess some of that unsettling like sadness is that you want her to be able to make this realization before it's too late yeah it was interesting because i was watching the third one and i was like okay this is fine or whatever and uh you know like, I was like okay it wasn't overtly like the other i <sighs> There's definitely, like, a more approachable vibe to the third part. Yeah. But, like, it, I was definitely, like, for the most part, I was like, oh, but, like, as much as I don't like the second one and uh, I feel uncomfortable with the first, like, this one definitely seems like, for a, for a second, it felt like a step down. 
And then for me, it really clicked into place when I kind of like connected the idea that, oh, this girl has been trying to rebuild her home, her family home for like so long. She had this plan put out and it's not going any way the way she wanted it to. Yeah. And one of her tenants leave and it kind of just dawns on me that it's like, oh, like the idea is that, she, you know, this was her family home and she wanted to be in this perfect way. But she has her family. She has a family here. These people care about her and want to be mm-hmm. with her. And it's it was like kind of when i when i went back to the materialism thing it was like this girl is so worried about rent right but if she stopped looking at these people that are living in her home as tenants and she thought Mm -hmm. and she started looking at them as family then the things that they do and the things that the things that they do around the house and the things that they bring to the home wouldn't be a problem right right she's like oh you like you know the the her main tenant her first tenant like would pay her in fish and it's like yeah elias right yeah elias you're like you're only mad at him that he pays you fish because you want money mm-hmm. but if you you know at this point you have a relationship with this guy basically family right mm-hmm. and if you look at him as a, as a member of your family and stop looking at him as a tenant you would be like oh well you know elias is great he's a great confidant i love talking with him we spend time together and he brings fish and I can't remember the girl down the, the girl that lives downstairs oh the um flower child like loving gardens her jen jen yeah, yeah fun fun fact helen the, the bomb carter played her oh okay yeah voice actress for her character it took me a minute to p- pick it up because you know it's one of those moments in a movie you're watching you're like oh it's them you know yeah okay. yeah so i mean like i didn't know like i couldn't tell that but but yeah so like, these characters that you can tell she has relationships with and mm-hmm. that she cares for and that they care for her and it's one of those things where it's like man if you just stop worrying about this house and stop worrying about the money you would just be like this is fine like i enjoy these people you know living here and i you know what i'm saying like mm. it, and it's kind of like this idea that like I, I feel like it's one of those those ideas that like really resonated with me as someone in their mid to, mid to late 20s being like the hustle culture of everything yeah right where all this girl's worried about it's like okay well, if i rent out these rooms and i'll be able to afford this and i'll be able to do this this is what i actually want to do and it's like you know just sit back and enjoy the things that you're doing right yeah for sure and especially because to like build up on that relatable feeling right it's like if anything this part three in this moment specifically where she's losing people because they're all going to explore and leaving the house right it almost feels like you know where you ha- you're working so much and you have friends that you want to see and you're like close and you feel like almost like a found family but because everyone's so busy with their lives and sometimes it just naturally happens that like you kind of just grow apart whether you like it or not because of just life works that way you know yeah so w- when the first two were like uncomfortable for their own reasons it definitely the third part was definitely a like a more personal discomfort that i had from it not nearly Mm. dark i don't think there was any there's no real dark aspect like there's like a hint at like a darkness or like oh man like what this guy's doing is real sketchy and it like it's like real dangerous and then you realize that it's not and yeah he's just just a hippie like dude that's actually kind of cool yeah (laughs) cosmos (laughs) yeah cosmos i love this house (laughs) yeah that yurt tent yurt (laughs) dope dope i'm dope i think it was i think it's a yurt (laughs) but yeah like it was and, and i liked the idea that 
that at the end of that story, which is why I think that they they, they switched away from the idea of the house being a malevolent, like this malevolent being, because mm-hmm. at the end of it, it's like, no, you this is this is her home, and she does care about it, and she now realizes that her home can be wherever she is. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I like this. It's I mean, it's a basic it's a basic meta- metaphor that you see other places, but it was kind of nice seeing her like sail off into the vast, you know, maybe un- unseemly ending ocean with her friends and stuff, and. You you know family it was kind of nice it was just kind of a heartwarming moment to end this kind of unsettling or an surreal movie experience yeah it definitely it definitely like i i definitely appreciate them ending on this because if they had ended with what happened in two i would have been like oh god i hate that movie even more <laughs> at, the, at the point where it stands now i don't like it and i likely wouldn't recommend it to many people but okay at the same time i'm like no but there's like some worth in it like it yeah it is well done and and they do do some interesting stuff. And if you are willing to be uh, put in uncomfortable viewing situations, it is it is a decent watch. Would would I like rank it up high in like the movies that I've seen for the year? No, but I can at least like appreciate what it's done. And yeah, I I think I'm in a similar position, but I guess in a different viewpoint where I also don't think this was like the most amazing movie I've seen all year. But like I think I would recommend this movie to somebody. Especially with maybe the perspective of like, did you ever want to check out maybe what you could do in a semi-horror medium stop motion? This would be probably a good example to point to where you could use character and like environment to kind of paint a unsettling tell, you know? Yeah. And at the same time, you know, kind of tell an interesting story with minimal set as well. I think it did a lot of things well, like taking advantage of one location and telling three different stories and somehow weaving their own tales about it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, okay, so I I've been talking about how like I think there's like a, a through line of like materialism and trying to move past that idea of like getting up like, this obsession with what you have and what you don't have, right? That's very clearly where I was going with it. Did you have any other thoughts when you were like watching all three parts? Yeah, I didn't immediately hit me right. It's kind of hit me maybe a day later. And where I was just kind of thinking about this movie a bit, right? But to me, this almost feels like it could be a semi-horror warning kind of feeling of what it is to own a home, you know? Okay. Like, okay, so... for me, like part one could be like, oh yeah, a little kid moves into a new home and that home is scary because it's new and different and you left a, a home you were used to and now like your parents are like obsessed with this house and all the new cool features about it and all their time is being spent into this house and like the attention they used to give you isn't as much anymore because they are focused on the house, right? Mm-hmm. Everything new, they have to make sure that everything works it's novel and different and they're settling in and all maybe all the furniture you bought or have doesn't really fit in your new home because ceilings are too short or high or the room layout doesn't work and you have to push everything aside and it just feels like uncomfortable because it's not familial you know it's not a home and then in part two it's almost like you know you own a home and vermin get in bugs get in you can try so hard to clean your house and do everything you can to protect your house from like the dangers of like outside interference and stuff but things will get in whether you like it or not and then in part three it almost feels like the end of a house's lifespan right the family's moved on most of the people who've owned this home are gone now all that's left is the one person left to take care of this home and at this point the house is beyond financial repair where they can afford to fix it and whether they like it or not it's time to leave it and move on 
So it, it almost feels like the journey of a house from like childhood to adulthood in three parts. And it maybe doesn't work completely for that, but I could see it a little bit, you know? It's all there for me. I know. I mean, like that definitely works. I really like, I very much enjoy that idea because it does, I think I could just, yeah, no, like I, I, I can understand the vibes of that from the first one where it's like, oh yeah, no, like I'm so used to things being a certain way and like my house feeling a certain way and the unease and the unsettled unsettledness that you feel like being an entirely new place and dealing with entirely new things and uh, obsessing over the differences and you know being like I was so happy with how it was before why are you guys so obsessed with how it the, the new thing and mm-hmm. with the second one being like yeah like you said like it's you're trying to keep do your best to keep your house in order and try to like make sure that nothing goes wrong and there's no way of stopping it and then with the third one being like and now everyone is leaving and I'm the only one left. And what does that mean? Where do I go from here? Like I've been spending my entire life here. What does it mean for me to leave my own? And, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, oh my god, that's really good. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad you you like that. I definitely did not immediately think about that. It's definitely one of those feelings that you think about a movie after the fact, and you kind of find some meaning in it. Yeah. So like, mine's like super basic and materialism. Yeah, woohoo. That's super easy. I mean, I saw that materialism in there too. That's definitely a, a theme you could put on this movie. You know? Yeah. It was just after. I didn't want to think about this movie a lot afterwards because again, the bug my thing really. <laughs> I am like it. Yeah. You know, I think if it wasn't for part three, I probably wouldn't have stayed in my mind as it did. Because part three kind of gave me that necessary like end cap feeling of, oh, I feel like there's something more here that I'm still processing. And so yeah. I I think I really like part three. Yeah, three left me with like a really, like, despite how dark the beginning of it is, it leaves on a very hopeful note at the end that I very mm-hmm. much was like, this is, I very much like the vibe that it's giving me at the end. But like, and again, you, you talked about it being a miniseries originally. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how would this have worked? Because it works so well going from these three parts in like succession that like, if you told me there are like six other parts, I'm like, would it have worked as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so I think it could. So for me, feels like in without going into how this could work as a series just yet, it feels like part one was kind of a horror story, right? Partly also because it could be interpreted as the people in this house were not treating this house like a home, but this thing that needed to be constantly expanded and repaired and adjusted and fixed and, you know, continually worked on, right? Yeah. For their own benefit, like, you know, the architect or the parents or something, right? And then part two was also like this developer coming in and fixing everything, making it exactly how they wanted to get rid of it and not appreciate it as a home. But then finally in part three, the main character loves the house. They want to live there as long as they can. They want to bring more people into it. They want to treat this home like a home and fill it with love and life and just Mm -hmm all kinds of people and it's like the only point in the story at least in the part one two and three where this house you could say feels loved and that might be why or intentionally maybe that part three has a completely hopeful tone because he's the only person that actually likes this house and loves this house the way maybe the house always wanted even though it's like the almost you could say the end of the world where everything is flooded you know and they still find a way to save it in the end yeah no it's, it's, yeah yeah I, I definitely appreciate i like i appreciate what the film is again it's not gonna rank highly for me just because i don't there's certain there's just like like you know personal bias i'm not gonna but i'm not gonna pretend like 
you know, when when I talk about movies I don't like, right? Uh-huh. It's not going to be like, you know, if if there's like a movie that you know that came out recently that I'm like, man, I hate this movie because of all these separate different issues. Um, like the, like it just was done poorly. That's that's different. This movie was mm-hmm. purely at a hundred percent. Like this this certain thing irks me, and because it irks me, <laughs> I don't like it. But not necessarily because. <laughs> like oh the pacing was really bad or the the cinematography was really bad i was like no everything was great and i don't but it's like it's great but like please don't do that again i hate it <laughs> <laughs> that's cool i mean i'm it's totally fine you know this movie um i think was i liked it you know um i probably would recommend it to somebody I definitely feel like I have my own take on this movie where I could probably sell it to somebody or recommend it to somebody in a way that might get them to be interested. Yeah, I, I think it's when I try and discuss the idea of recommending films to people, mm-hmm. I try to be a little bit more understanding of like a general recommendation for people. Because like a lot of the times I'll be like, oh man, this movie's great. And then someone will go watch it and be like, I hated this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I meant it was great for me, not for you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I've been there. You say no to your audience that you're recommending something to, right? Yeah. I feel like I can't recommend this one to many people. <laughs> but hey, anyone listening to this who maybe hasn't seen it for, and wants to see it now because of our conversation, I'm telling you, it, it's interesting enough to be like, oh, man, this this movie, huh, all right. I have thoughts about this movie, you know? Hey, but on the other hand, if you heard the conversation and you were like, ugh, gross rat bug people, it's totally <laughs> fair. And it's un- honestly just incredibly creepy. Now, now, what to choose for the video thumbnail, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll, I'll stick to something heartwarming like the two, the cats or something. <laughs> Did we even wait? Did we even mention that in part three it's anthropomorphized cats and not like rats? No, we did not mention that they went from rats to cats. <laughs> yeah, in part three they're cats. Oh, I'm maybe I'll edit that in the beginning, but yeah, part three cats, very cute and wholesome. You yeah, it, it it was it's interesting that it went from humans to rats to cats. I I don't know if there was anything there as well. But it definitely was. I mean, you could maybe say, and this might be a way you could see it as an anthology series, not a movie, where it could be different things that live in a house and different episodes could be like a dog uh, family or the, um, I don't know, the, the flies that live in the house or the plants or maybe the furniture and they're alive or you could do a lot with a house. Each episode does something different. With- yeah, it, it definitely was an interesting premise for a show and it would have been cool to see what they would have done had they been able to continue. Yeah, I enjoyed it, even though it was a little unsettling at parts. <laughs> to each their own. I mean, I can understand. It's always just going to it's just always gonna boil down to the, the second part and physically, my physical discomfort towards it. I'm just like, <laughs> storytelling-wise, storytelling-wise, it was great. It did a really good job, and I think it really went through thematically in a really powerful way. So... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to recommend it to people, but I will say, hey, if you <laughs> feel like watching it, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, hey, there might be a, a good question to ask anybody listening, and they can leave it as a reviewer in the comments. Like, what would you see as an, a possible episode mythology series or movie? Yeah, like what what do you what 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 kind of story would you think of to take place in this weird 
amorphous house throughout time. <laughs> All right. So I guess with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the Just Pick Something podcast. Uh, what do you think of the house? And let us know down below a possible episode you could have for this movie if it was an anthology series, not a movie. And maybe would you recommend this movie to anybody? Thanks for listening. And the intro and outro song to this podcast is VHS Dreams by Sean Ivers. Link in the description. Thank you for listening and until next time. 